You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. You know, one of the things that, that, I had, that I had to overcome was fear to get here, if you think about it. And that's actually what I want to talk about today, fear. So the title of my message is, now I know you're all going to be familiar with it. You're, you are 12 o'clock, which means you all shout out more than anyone else. Is that right? You are the loudest, the proudest. Come on, you, right? So... Lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my, right? Now, now that's how often do we approach fear kind of in that sense. If you think about it, it's like, I'm going to move, but I'm, I'm, I'm wrapped up in fear in certain areas. And, you know, we're believers, and we, we, we've seen God do uh, mighty works in our lives. And we can have areas that there, there's tremendous victory in, and yet there's other areas that has been locked up in fear that's causing us to hold back from all that God has for us. And you know, Jesus actually talks about in the latter days, there are certain things that will increase. We know that there will be uh, offenses that will increase. We know that uh, that love will grow cold. We know, you know, we know all of these, there's deception that will increase. But one of the things Jesus said would increase is fear. He said that fear would actually increase. And is that not what's happening in the world today? Is that not all of the agenda of different like crazy things that and laws and all of these things that are trying to pass? At the end of the day, when we, when we boil it down, what is it that it's actually instilling? It's instilling fear. People are afraid of what's to come. And Jesus actually makes a comment and says, basically in the latter days, that fear will cause the, the hearts of man to fail right that there's the because of what is to come so there's fear is a, is a spirit that we must take a stand against that we cannot allow fear to overtake us that we've got to confront fear and not yield if you will uh, to fear and allowing it to have its place now here's the thing what I've found oftentimes as believers is that we usually uh, have uh, uh, an approach of let me ignore fear or let me avoid fear, right? Some people's like, well, no, I'm not going to do this because then I I don't want to admit that I'm actually afraid in that particular area. So we avoid it, right? And, And there's something that we actually need to deal with. It's something that we actually have to address that, you know, fear is something that the enemy truly uses. I believe out of anything else, this is the number one stronghold that the enemy unleashes to try to rob you of your life's potential. How many of us have areas in our lives that perhaps we're holding back out of fear? And yet we say that we're believers and that yet we're, 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 you know, we're standing in faith, but then there's other areas that are being held back and held down because we're afraid of what may be or afraid of failure or afraid of not not having enough or, or any of these things that actually holds us back. Maybe some of us are crippled with with anxiety or panic attacks, right? There's different things. And fear is a real thing. 
I remember being in, in, in Mongolia and, uh, you know, it, it's like old housing, like housing, like big apartment sky risers that, you know, they're like from like the 1920s and elevators that are like from the 1920s. And, and we're, we're, we're in this building and, and I remember one time we, we got in, there's two guys, two strong guys and just, and me. So we get in the elevator and, uh, you know, we were on the 10th floor, I think it was. And so we were going down and probably, I don't know, maybe around like the seventh or sixth floor, like it cuts and we're stopped. And then it's like, what do you do? Like everyone's going to have their different reactions. So one, he, he starts trying to pry open the doors. Like he's trying to get out. The other one's like, in the name of Jesus, I command this thing. And then I didn't know what else to do. So I'm like, I'm just going to pray in tongues because I don't know what else to do. So you got like uh, three of us all doing all of these different things, hoping that something works. Well, thank God the doors open. We ran out and pretended like, oh, okay, that's nothing. We just kind of like walked away like, okay, we'll just uh, not go on that elevator again. We'll go up 10 flights of stairs, right? So there's certain areas of our lives that, you know, we can be very faithful, meaning full of faith, but then there's other areas that hit us that could be real fears that hit us full of fear. And the enemy wants to sabotage our life's potential through fear. So, but the problem is, is that we oftentimes allow fear to go unchecked. So we either ignore it, we usually avoid it, or we live under it. We, and those are the, the common responses to fear. And we've got to rise up and step out of that. And, you know, and there's different kinds of fear. And so I want to break down today just a few different fears that we face. And so in Matthew chapter 14, you find one of the first ghost stories in Scripture. I know, like, usually we're, you look online and there's ghost hunters and there's all kinds of craziness, you know, that's out there. You don't need to look there. Just look in the Bible. Yeah. You'll, you'll find the truth of what you, you'll find the truth in a, in a much purer form as well, right? So, so we find the first ghost story that this is what I would call demonic fear. So demonic fear is a real fear. And remember, fear is a spirit. Fear is something that applies pressure externally as well as internally to create turmoil, to create havoc, to create a torment of chaos of mind and way of thinking. So let's look in uh, 24 to 26. And of course, you know, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. He sent his disciples onward on a boat. And, uh, you know, he was out on the mountain praying. And, uh, you know, it, it, at the four o'clock in the morning, he decides that now it's the time to go, you know, regain or, you know, reunite. Like, like who does that? Jesus does. Right. Four o'clock in the morning. How many of you are morning people here? Yeah, there's a few. Four o'clock? Yeah. Nah, that's a little bit too early, right? Yeah, come on now. The spiritual time is five o'clock, just say, no, just kidding. <laughs> just, no, I'm just kidding. All right. So meanwhile, uh, the boat was far out the sea, and when this wind came against them, they were battered, they were, and they were battered by the waves. About four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water, and they were scared out of their wits. A ghost. They cried out in terror. Like, think about it. Like, so these are the guys who are watching Jesus perform miracles. They're watching Jesus cast out devils. They're, they're watching Jesus do all of these mighty works. He just fed 5,000 people with, like, like peanuts, practically. Right? So, so they, but yet, because they were not expecting him to come, they could not recognize him. Right? So they, all of a sudden, their minds, right? Fear will cause your mind to go to worst case scenario 
will cause your imagination to go to worst case scenario. And so all of a sudden they went from faith-filled disciples walking with Jesus to fearful, I'm afraid of ghosts. Like what, you watch Jesus cast out devils and now you're afraid of ghosts? Right, like it, see, because the, the, the thing that we have to understand is that fear is not logical. Fear doesn't make sense because it's a spirit that must be confronted and dealt with. Right, but fear hits us in practical levels. And so here's the thing, is that demonic fear is all about taking and manipulating your imagination. It's all about trying to get into your imagination. The enemy wants to get into your head, manipulate your imagination, because he knows that if he can grab a hold of your imagination, he can grab a hold of your faith and limit it. I remember we watched this stupid horror movie. Like, don't, I don't recommend it. We, we found that there's this, like, exorcism movie. It was supposed to be a true story. And so we thought, oh, well, it, it must be okay because it's true. Uh, not. Don't do it. Right? So we watched this movie, and it basically said that there was a particular hour in which that demons will torment people. Like, I mean, does that even logically make sense? Like, the devil's like, oh, I'll be nice 23 hours out of the day, but one hour I'm going to torment it everyone like it doesn't it doesn't even make sense like one hour guys come on like you know the devil's like come on guys you got to get out and you got to torment everyone because you just got that one hour one hour window only right but yet it seemed logical in the moment that when we finished the movie you're like oh shoot like that's like the devil's time like what no all time belongs to god like you know but 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 yet because of fear, I was like, uh, I don't know. And can, can I tell you, when I, the, for that night after the movie and after we had to like renounce the spirit of fear and you know, command face to rise up and all of this stuff that we had to do, we had to do cleanup. So that's one reason why we have to protect what we see. Because then you're going to have to do more cleanup afterwards because it's defiled your imagination that now you're going to be battling it. Even if you say like it's stupid. Like, I disagree, and this is ridiculous, and this is whatever. But yet, it's defiled your imagination that now you have to go through the journey of cleansing your imagination that can take place through the blood of Jesus. Right? You think about it. So it's like, oh, my gosh. And so I would wake up. Guess what time I woke up? It's the witch shower. The devil is out there somewhere. Like, is, where is he at? Okay, in the name of, you know, right? And you're just like, what's going on? And for two months... At different points, I would wake up at that same stupid hour that I'm not going to tell you, <laughs> right? And, and just be like, oh, and just discernment. Let me discern. Is there a devil out here somewhere? Do I need to rise up in victory? Do I need to rise up in authority? And you're just thinking like, what the heck? Like, Shelly, this is a spirit of fear. Get over it. Speak to the spirit of fear and command it to go. It's not that the demon's coming to attack you. It's that it's already attacked you. And the other 23 hours, you've been attacked by the spirit of fear. So at this one hour that you happen to be alert to the fact that it's there, then that's when it's unleashed over you. It's like, oh, shoot. So what did I do? I rose up, commanded that thing to go, and it shifted. Right? And so it, this is practical stuff, but yet there's such a reality. How many of us that live under the bondage of fear? And here's the thing is that I think oftentimes that we, we, go, we allow small fears to go unchecked. Yeah. We oftentimes just like, nah, that's stupid. This absolutely ridiculous, right? Like, I don't know about you, but I can, I'll just, true confessions, if I'm, I'm just going to put it out there for you. I remember times where walk into a room, got to turn on the light before I walk in, yeah. right? Yeah. Fear of the dark, 
right? Or how about you feel something in the room, like it just feels weird. And so you, you somehow in the middle of the night in that state, you feel like if you hurry up and jump on your bed, nothing under your, your bed can grab your feet. <laughs> Come on, am I the only one who's done that? Come on. Right, and, it, and it's like in the moment, it seems so stupid, like as if you're more safe on your bed, as if it can't like reach up and like grab you if it is there, right? But somehow you're just like, I gotta jump on my bed. Like, what is that? That's the enemy taking advantage of your imagination. And here's the thing, oftentimes we don't talk about it. Like when do you be like, hey, Pastor John, like I got totally freaked out the other night and like I just jumped on my bed because I was afraid there's a demon that might grab my feet. Like who, like, who does that? Like, who has that confession? Like, you probably don't hear that at Emerge Prayer. You probably don't hear that at Cherish Prayer, right? But yet, why? Because we're like, that's stupid. I can't, like, I'm not going to talk about it. But can I submit to you that perhaps by not, by allowing those things to go unchecked, that the enemy is actually working in the background, working up a stronghold of fear, bit, brick by brick, because the more that you allow it to go unchecked, the more that it's actually going to build up on the inside of you. So we end up having this dichotomy of having faith in certain arenas, but we have fear going unchecked in other arenas that is squashing out our faith, right? So we, we begin to find that, man, we've got to, you know, like what we, what we tolerate will actually dominate. If we tolerate small fears and hope that they're just going to go away, it will actually end up turning into a situation or a circumstance that actually dominates our lives. And it's time to rise up and dominate fear, time to rise up and not allow it to go unchecked in our lives. And now here's the thing. So we got demonic fear and like, ooh, that's the real lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, oh, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. But we also have natural fear. Natural fear is like totally normal, but how we respond to it is the defining moment. Right? So I was in the jungle of India, had this amazing time. I was just, yeah, just casual. Yeah, just totally easy, easy going. I know, sorry, I'm a missionary, so I've been like all over. So it's like, you know, like you're kind of like, you know, like the, you know what a missionary is? Like missionaries, like they see a fly in their drink. They're like, whatever. <laughs> Where other people are like, oh my gosh, like I can't, you know, I can't drink the drink. It's like, ah, you just blow it around, you know? <laughs> it's like your little, like, you know, little treat. <laughs> Just saying. So yeah, so yeah, just happened to be, yeah, just real casual. Happened to be in the jungle of India doing a uh, safari. So, you know, we took a mission team out, but you gotta have some fun. Like you can't just be like all work. So we gotta play a little bit. So we woke up four o'clock in the morning, get up and jump on these elephants. And it was amazing. And uh, it is crazy because it's like, you got like one guy who's like the driver of the elephant with this shotgun that's gonna protect you in case the rhinos that you're looking at might charge you. Which by the way, they did try to charge our elephant and that's another story. And uh, you're just like, what's going on right now? Uh, we're gonna get killed by a rhino. I never saw myself ending that way. You know? <laughs> right? You're just like, what the heck? And then, you know, so, but part of, part of the journey of this uh, 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 safari was to be able to hopefully take a glimpse of a tiger, which, you know, so we went from elephant to a, a Jeep and we went around and, you know, we're looking for the tigers. We never saw them. And it was like, well, oh, well, you know, I mean, what do you do? I mean, you can't like, here, kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> hope that it comes out. 
So we go back to our hut where we were staying, which by the way, they call it a resort, but it's not like the Hotel Republic. <laughs> it's like a hut with like straw and it's a resort. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. This looks really safe in the middle of the jungle. I feel very secure right now, <laughs> right? And uh, all of a sudden, so we're, we're in this dinner table and it's this open terrace and we hear the roars of the tigers. And you're thinking, oh my word, the tigers, like you can hear the roars like two miles out. You have no idea where they are at, but we had our dinner, our di dinner Terrence is here. And then we were staying in these huts that were spread out, which were surrounded by trees and bushes. Like you're just like, um, so who's gonna go to bed first tonight? And everyone's like, um, no, no, I'm just gonna hang out with coffee, you know? <laughs> It's like, you know, hoping that the tiger noises subside. And finally we had to, and it's like us girls, we literally linked arms and lions and tigers and bears, <laughs> lions and tigers and bears. And then obviously we switched. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me, right? So we're, we're trying to do whatever we can do to get into those huts, hoping that they, the straw will sustain us from any tiger attack that's out there. And you're just like, oh my gosh. And so there's natural fear that actually hits you. I mean, that's basically, I mean, it's, it, basically that's what happened to Peter. So we continue on in the story. I didn't forget about the story, I promise. Let's pick up in verse uh, 27 to 31. So right, so remember, so the disciples are freaking out. Jesus comes, and I love this. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. Peter suddenly, look, at, I love that. Jesus immediately speaks the word to dispel fear. So how do we dispel fear is to speak the word. As soon as we speak the word, fear has to flee. Fear has no right, has no authority to, to stay if we speak the word. And so Jesus destroyed fear. How he dealt with the spirit of fear is by speaking faith, speaking the word. So what happens and how do we know it was faith? Because Peter, being the man that he is, right, suddenly bold said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come out on the water. Like, how do you know that, like, that's pretty, like, amazing to that he would just be like yeah I've never done it before never seen it done except for you right now call me to go out on the water like I was on the Sea of Galilee a couple months ago with the C3 Israel trip whoop, whoop. saying you should go just a plug next time we go you should go uh, but I didn't feel inclined to step out on the water <laughs> just saying right but yet Peter he stepped out of the boat and he started walking to Jesus and notice that his faith was able to conquer something that he had never done before, right? His faith, as long as his eyes were fixed upon Jesus, he was able to actually do something he had never seen before. Now, when did Peter get in trouble? When did doubt end up hitting Peter? As soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to look at his circumstances, and truly that's what natural fear tries to do, right? So demonic fear, it's about manipulating your, your imagination, but natural fear is about trying to get your eyes off of Jesus and onto your circumstance, right? Fear is simply misplaced trust. Fear is simply misplaced trust. And so there's this shift where, where Peter was doing fine until he saw the waves. And as he began to look at the circumstances, the circumstances overwhelmed him in an arena of doubt that he began to what? He, it says that he lost his nerve. Yeah. 
right, that he started to sink. He cried out, Master, save me. And you know what I love is that Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus didn't hesitate. Jesus didn't, whenever we call out, we can trust that Jesus will save us. Jesus will rescue us, that he is the ultimate hero in our lives. He's the ultimate rescuer that we can trust no matter what we're facing, no matter what the circumstance is, that we can trust him to do everything he said he would do, right? So he reached him, he reached down, grabbed his hand, and then he said, faint-hearted, what got into you? Meaning you were in faith and you allowed fear to get into your heart. Right, so fear's goal is to get you to get into agreement with doubt so that you reap the opposite of faith. Right, so what areas of our life, maybe it's natural fear, the circumstance just seems really big, it's overwhelming, situations in the workplace change or in the family situation change, health circumstances change, and we begin to look at the testimony or the, 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 what's going on around us as greater than what God is saying, what the truth of God is, that we elevate it so it's misplaced trust that we begin to see these things. It's interesting that Peter, now what, what profession was Peter in prior to walking with Jesus? He was a fisherman. So wouldn't you think that one of the, what's, what would be one of the main requirements if you're gonna be on a boat all day long, if you're gonna be in that industry, what's the one thing that you should know how to do? So why in the world was he freaking out? Because fear will rob you, not only of moving forward, but of your natural abilities. Have you ever found that were there situations where you get gripped or hit with fear that even your natural abilities get, get, get stopped up, right? So when we yield to fear, it actually not only paralyzes us, but it takes our natural abilities from us. It robs us, it's a robber. And faith and fear do not coexist. They're, they are not BFFs. They do not hang out together. They do not mesh well together. Fear is a robber that will rob you of everything that God wants to bring to you, right? And we must choose not to conform to the circumstances around us. We must not allow these things to overtake us. We've got to allow, and really, what's the key? Keeping our eyes on Jesus. What's the key? Speaking the word. I love Pastor Phil in his book, Freedom Now, or Freedom is Here. He talks about how they had this, this house, and it was on the side of a cliff, or not on the side of a cliff, but it was like on the, uh, 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 on the ocean side. And there was this really terrible, it was a terrible storm, and it was known in Sydney that there's, uh, you know, these houses can wash out. And he talks about there's only a few times in his life that he had experienced such a panic attack of, of the thought of losing the home. And so he was so yielded to that for that moment till the Lord, actually spoke to him and told him, Phil, you need to rise up and speak the word. So he grabbed a hold of Philippians 4, verse 7, be, be anxious for nothing, right? Be anxious for nothing. He began to speak the word and the reset came. So what do we do when fear comes? We need to speak the word. We need to speak the opposite of what fear, fear is the opposite of faith. So therefore, faith is the opposite of fear, right? Speak forth the word. Allow the word of God to have a voice. Here's another common one, fear of lack. Now this is a big one, right? So fear of lack is me looking at me of what I have or what I do not have. 
and then trying to figure out like, how am I gonna get what it is that I need? Again, what is fear? It is misplaced trust. Our God is a wonderful father that will provide for us. You can trust him to provide for you. You can trust that he will, he will protect you. You can trust that everything that he said that he would do, that he will do for us. We can trust God in his promises. We can trust in his word. Right, and so Jesus does this whole discourse in Matthew chapter six, and he talks about, right, how the birds of the air, that they don't have to think about what they're gonna wear. They, they, they don't have to think about what is it they're gonna eat. They don't have to think about where it is that they're gonna stay, right? So I love this translation, the Passion Translation says, so then, forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? Right, so in other words, for you know, the, the unbelievers, they go after these things. Don't you know that your heavenly father already knows the things that your body requires? Your God has got you covered. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always provide for you. You will never have to worry, will he come through for you? So I love that statement, forsake your worries. He will do everything he said that he would do. I love it. And here's, here's the beautiful thing. Your provision is not based on your faith. Your provision is based on his character. Your provision isn't like, if I believe, then I receive. No, no, no. God is just so good that he says, I'm going to provide because I'm your dad. I'm going to provide because that's who I am. I'm going to provide for you regardless. So, so there, it's liberating that my provision isn't contingent upon my faith, but it's actually based on his character. And I met this guy who was pastoring this little small church in the Bay Area, 20 members, and he, was, he hit hard times where the building was actually red tagged. So it was basically like it was going to be tons of money to try to get the building fixed. And, you know, it seemed like, well, I guess maybe this is the end. And, you know, who knows what's going to, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, we're limited. But how many of you know, we may be limited, but our God is limitless. Our God has no limits. Our God has all the resources of heaven behind him that he can get it to us if we would believe, if we would trust him as our provider, putting our trust in the one who matters most. So this pastor says that he talks about how there's this woman who's 90 years old who invites, invites him over to her house. Just saying, you never know. Someone invites you, you don't know what's on the other side of that invitation. Just saying. Sorry, so so she he goes over to this woman's house, and she's like, you know, honey, I I understand the circumstances that, that the church is in. I don't know, you know, I don't know if this can help you, but my husband, you know, of course, he passed away a couple months ago, and so I want to give you this. I don't know, you know, how it can help you. So she handed over a jar of coins. Well, those that jar of coins happened to be a jar of South African Cougarant golden coins with a value of 1.5 million dollars. Yeah, you heard me, $1.5 million that this woman was just casually keeping in her garage, like, ain't no big deal, right? And so God was able to do exceedingly abundantly above all they can ask or think through, right? I mean, who knows? Who kn Maybe God planted it there. We don't know how that Cougaran jar came. I'm like, Lord, I'm believing you for Cougaran jars to come my way. Invite me over to anyone's house. I'll, I'll go, right? Just saying, Right? My next vision builders, I'm believing for a cougar jar, <laughs> right? I, I, I might get that, and then I would definitely have to give it. <laughs> it's all right. It's all good, right? 
And so there, this, here they are, 20 member church with like, it's like amazing, state of the art everything because God was, was concerned about the small details. He cares about the small church enough that he would give them $1.5 million to make the renovations that are necessary to keep it going because he loves them. And that is the heart of the father towards you. He's not trying to get your building red tagged where you're gonna be stuck with a bill or stuck with something you can have. He'll provide for you everything that he has for you that you can trust in the faith of God that he will do exceedingly. He will do abundantly above all that you can ask or think. He will do it just as he did for this pastor. That, you know, I love it. You take his story and let it be something that would apply to you. Now, there's another fear that I think is probably one of the biggest fears that we all face, right? I mean, we face all of these, but this hits us in a different way. And this is the fear of man. Right, fear of man is something that we all struggle with at some point and some level. You know, I remember, you know, and, and before I really got free from the fear of man, and that's not to say that there isn't battles. Of course, there's battles that you face and there's different levels. And, you know, some people, you, you can say, well, I'm not afraid of man, but let's meet someone who maybe uh, that you respect or let's meet someone who maybe, uh, you know, like you, you feel intimidated around. Well, what is that? That's the fear of man. I mean, either way, where you feel feel like I can't be myself because they might judge me. And that's usually what the, what is the fear of man is that I'm elevating the fear of man above the knowledge of God for my life. And I must become, if I'm going to be truly free, I must be secure in the fact that God loves me. I must be secure in the fact of what my identity is in him, that he said that I'm his precious daughter. He said that I'm his princess. He, it doesn't matter. Like, I love it when, when people love me. Like, I mean, come on, there's nothing wrong with that. But the same token, I can't allow that to set my identity. I can't allow that to set the tone or the direction of my life where someone's like, oh, you know what, Shelly, you didn't preach very good. Oh, darn it, I guess I better quit, right? No, it's not like that, right? Or, you know, I don't think you should do this, or I don't think you're good at that. Well, that's the opinions of others. It's like, God, what is it that you say about me, right? What is it that you say about me? Right now we need input and there's nothing wrong with that, but not allowing the fear of man to rule what it is that we do. And so many people live in anticipation of like, what are they gonna say? What are they gonna think? And what are they gonna do? That we can't live that way. Like there, there's, no, uh, there's no rest in living in, in, in that kind of environment. Like, you know how exhausting it is trying to live to, to please people? Do you know how exhausting it is? Right, and maybe you're like, yeah, I'm doing that right now. Right? I mean, like, let's be real. Like, if, we, if we're really going to deal with fear, how do we overcome it is we have to recognize it. How do we overcome it? We have to identify that it's actually there. Let it get, let it get checked this afternoon so that we can cast it out and command it to get the heck out of our lives that it can't continue to wreak havoc. Come on. It's enough is enough. We got to draw the line in the sand. Don't allow these small fears to go unchecked or don't allow the big fears to go unchecked. And like, oh no, it's too big. I can't go there. No, we need to go there. We need to deal with it. Right, and oftentimes it's the fear of man. It's simply because we're afraid that we'll be rejected. We're afraid they'll think that we're less than. We're afraid that they will say something bad about us to someone else. Ooh, scary one, right? 
But yet it locks us. It truly doesn't it not? It locks us from wanting to move forward because what if Ashley says, well, I don't know, girl, I just think, and then it spreads down the line, like, oh my gosh, like everybody thinks that. Oh my, you know, like, and so then it stops you from being yourself, from actually stepping out and stepping into what it is that God has for you. Right? And we look at the parable of the guys with the talents, right? You have the guy with five, you got the guy with two, you got the guy with one, and the guy with five, he doubled it. Right? And right, well done, good and faithful servant. The guy with two, he doubled it. Well done, good and faithful servant. The guy with one, what was his problem? What was it that he did? He hid the talent. And the Bible talks about how the reason why he hid the talent is was because he was afraid of his master. It says that he was afraid of him because it, 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 and Luca talks about how uh, he was afraid of him because he knew you're, everyone knows that you're impossible to please. Right, and so how many of us are in situations maybe there is authority and our perception is they're impossible to please, therefore it's better if I just hide. And that's usually the response in this, and when we're dealing with the fear of man is that we are either hiding and withdrawing or we're, we become like overconfident. We try to perform and, and it's all about like I've got to be a perfectionist and I've got to do it right and I've got to do all of these things. Or, or here's a big one. Here's, here's one that I, that I dealt with is that I felt because uh, if, I, if I didn't have needs, then nobody would reject me. So I'm just going to shut down my needs and say, I don't have any needs. I'm just going to rescue everyone so that it creates an atmosphere where everyone wants to be around me because I'm rescuing them. But actually, I'm just rescuing myself. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm safe. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm not being rejected. I'm trying to make sure that you want me. Right? I mean, if you think about it, that's what, what it really came down to. So what did I do? I hid, and I didn't allow anyone to see who I really was. Right? Because the message is like, if you see me, you may not like me. If you see me, then I'm just, it, it, it's it. It's done. It, it's over. Game over. And I won't have the people around me. And that was a message that was communicated to my heart because my dad left when I was young. So I had to deal with that. I had to recognize that. And so, so many years of my life, I lived with, like, not having any needs. Like, like you know, how boring is that? Like, Shelly, do you ever need? No. What do you like to do? I don't know. What do you, know, what do you like to do for fun? Uh, what do you like to do? Right? And, and it wasn't one of those, right? And, like, how many times do we find ourselves conforming to the people around us because it's just simply because we, that we don't want to be rejected. We don't want to deal with people saying, uh, you're less than what I want. So therefore, we conform, and we're, we're not actually able to live out the reality of who God's created us to be. So, you know, what's, what's some of the indicators of us being a, a person who's yielded to the, spirit, to the fear of man, right? Do we live in inner chaos, constantly wondering what other people are thinking about us, about our performance, about what we look like? Like, I mean, it's all good. Like, us ladies, like, we want to look good, and that's great. And thank God that we have sisters that will help us look good. Come on. Like, I just think my sisters, y'all know who you are, right, who help me look good, right? That, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I don't want to be tormented in my mind, like, oh, no, I don't know. Like, you know, like, Sunday sometimes can be a dread because it's like, man, all these people are beautiful, and they're all amazing. And, and if I don't dress a certain way, then I might not, right? Come on, like, think about it. Like, that, that could be a real struggle in someone's life, 
right? Like how many people are like dealing with that in their souls and not able to actually live free? And they, you know, like what restaurant are you gonna go to? I don't know. Well, Kenny, what restaurant do you wanna go to? Oh yeah, you know, right? But it's because I don't wanna say I like chicken and you like steak. Right? So then we, we yield to fear of man. And it's that, it's that practical. Or here's another huge one, right? We, we live under constant suspicion. She looked at me a certain way. She doesn't like me. I know it. I know it. She just had that look. I've seen that look, Kate. I know, I know that you just don't like me. I know it. Right? And so then we, we make a judgment, right? How many times have we done that? Or someone that we love, right? Kenny's silent. He's mad at me. I know it, right? And so we, in our head, we already come to the conclusion, right? We come to the conclusion of, you know, oh, you know, oh, he's grumpy. I knew I did something wrong. I knew I shouldn't have given him extra sugar in his coffee, right? And you go in this long line. Or how about those people that you have on speed dial? You know what I'm talking, your mother, your father, your, I don't know, you, you name it, whoever's your speed dial person. How many of you got a speed dial person in your life? You know that if you call them the first time, they're going to answer. And if they don't, then you call the second and third time, fourth time until they answer, right? <laughs> right? Okay, maybe I'm the only one who has those people in my life. I'm a little impatient, working on patience, right? <laughs> right? But how many of us have those people? And then it's like when they don't answer, you're like, what did I do wrong? Did I say something? It was our last conversation. And like you go in this like head trail of like guessing why they're not answering the phone. And maybe they're in the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, like, come on, right? But, but yet, your mind is already inclined to go in such a direction, right? Like, think about it, right? You're, you're already, you're, you're defaulted negative, like, oh my gosh, it's worst case scenario. The boss didn't say this was good, so it must have been bad. Like, what? No, maybe he just was thinking about lunch, <laughs> right? So we default to all of these negative things, but what is that? Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, you can call it whatever you want, but the truth is, it's the fear of man. And it's misplaced trust. Instead of trusting in the Lord, we're trusting in men and women to affirm what it is that we're hoping for, that we're accepted, that we're loved. And we'll never get over it unless there's that shift of understanding that we are loved, that we are accepted, that we are desired. And that's the key. Like we all, everyone wants to be desired. Like nobody wants to be the last kid getting picked on the team. Well, I'll tell you what though, C3 San Diego won't let you be the last kid picked on the team. I mean, that's, that really... That really is the truth, right? So how do we overcome fear? What's some steps? And there's so many things, and I gave you guys a lot, and I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. <laughs> sorry, but not sorry. But what do we gotta do? Number one, we've gotta say, rise up in our face and let faith have a voice. Allow faith to counter fear. Allow faith to come against the fear that's holding you back, whether it's a demonic fear where it's manipulating your imagination and you, you can't get free in that area, or maybe it's you're looking at your circumstance. Start speaking to that mountain. I don't care what it is. God is the God of turnarounds. I don't care how dark it is. God is lighter than any dark that's out there. So he's always, the victory always. Thank God that he always leads us in the triumph right? Fear of lack. No, no, no. My God is a provider. And if he's going to give a church a $21.5 million, he's going to give me at least something. Come on. Come on. Something that's going to get me through what I need to get through, right? Fear of man. No, no. Jesus is my security. No, I'm a daughter. No, I'm a son. And that's a journey that we have to go on, but we've got to rise up and speak in faith. We've got it. Number two, we've got to rise up in courage, 
got to rise up and take heart. The, right, the Bible says that the righteous are bold as a lion. Lion's not afraid of anything. A lion knows that it belongs on the, on the path that it's on. So we know that we belong where we are, that we can rise up in faith, take, take courage. Here's a, here's a beautiful verse. It says in a, a Psalm 56 and verse 9. I love this. This is, take this home with you. The very moment I call to you for a father's help, the tide of the battle turns and my enemies flee. This one thing I know, if you didn't hear anything else I said today, this one thing you can know that God is on your side. God is on your side. Here's, especially when it comes to practical fears, you know, if we could call it that way. Enlist support, get a friend, tell them, bring it to the light. If it's something stupid and you're jumping on your bed, tell someone like, hey, I know this sounds really stupid, but I'm jumping on my bed because I'm afraid there's a demon that might grab my feet. I know it's silly, but you know what? Sometimes like just getting it out will just dispel it. Like get rid, smash that thing. And you know, and sometimes you just need a little bit of help. So I, I turned 40 uh, almost two months ago. I know I don't look a day over 21. I'm just saying. And uh, Pastor Becky was so, so generous to give me a beautiful gift, earrings. I was like, oh, Pastor Becky, my ears are not pierced. And she's like, what? Like, who, who at your age doesn't have their ears pierced? I said, well, you don't understand. We're now going to have an inner healing moment. But I was traumatized when I was a kid. Ashley was there. And I said, when I was six years old, I went to the jeweler. And he had multiple attempts of trying to pierce my ears to the point where I was so traumatized and so upset that I said, I'm never going to wear earrings until Pastor Becky shows up. <laughs> Woo! So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do this message. And I know that I need to overcome this thing. And it's irrational. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It, it, that's the thing. Like, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. But let me show you what we just did yesterday. Yeah. I'm gonna line up to you guys. Okay. I'm gonna line up. All right, tell me when you look ready. Are you guys ready? Because I am. Are you ready? It's in. Oh my gosh. You How can do it, flinch. It's in. Flinch. It's in. What the heck was I waiting oh, like yes. 40 years for? That looks so good. <laughs> Oh, oh my word! It is a done deal. So, just saying, in case you didn't notice, changed woman, changed woman. Right, and, and it, you can, it, it, that's the thing with fear, like, Come on, like it's so irrational. Like it doesn't even make sense. Like, oh yeah, suck all the blood out of my arm, but don't pierce my ear. Like, what? Like I'm totally fine with going to the doctors, totally fine riding an elephant, one-on-one -on -one with a rhino. Like, you know, lions are roaring in the background, but then like, don't pierce my ears. Like something bad might happen. And, but, but that's really what fear is. Like it just like totally takes you captive and, 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 and manipulates you and torments you and stops you from having beautiful diamonds, <laughs> right? Or whatever it is. So God is here because he wants to set you free. It, it, these things are practical, practical things that we can apply in our lives. And so would you join me and stand to your feet? The one thing that we can know is the Bible says the psalmist, I love David. David throughout his life, he, he battled fear, not just once, but multiple times. 
he, out of fear, pretended to be insane. Like he, out of fear, he ran and he hid in caves and all of these things. But the one thing he understood is that he knew that if he sought the Lord, that he would deliver him of every fear. So if we would seek the Lord, if we would put our trust in him today, that we can trust that he will deliver us of whatever the fear is that we may be facing. How many of you through the preaching of this word and this message can identify with some area of fear, is it small as it could be or as large it could be? Right? I mean, that's like, I'm like, come on, like who of us? Like, I know I got a few more fears that I got to work on. Becky, you're my girl. You're going to help me out. Just saying. <laughs> right? Get someone, get a friend to come around you, to rally around you, expose that thing, walk together with that thing. Don't allow that thing in. And, and here's the thing, like sometimes we can rationally say like, I know it's stupid. Like it's so stupid. Yeah, but it's so stupid that you've got, you, 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 it, it's so real that you've got to rise up in your faith. It's, it's a spirit that you have to rebuke. You can't just like, oh, it's dumb. No, you have to rebuke it. So how many of you are ready to rebuke the spirit of fear out of your life? That's just time. One and done. Let's get this thing over with. Right? And maybe some of us, we're not quite walking with the Lord in the way that we should be. Maybe we've yet to step out on the water and trust in Jesus. Well, I'm telling you, friend, your first step out of fear is to step into faith and believing in Jesus, stepping out of fear and putting your trust in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's got you by the hand. His hand is upon you. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He is always with you. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.